So earlier in the week, I was having this conversation with our son Owen. He asked me this question. He says, Dad, are you prone to injuries? And I was beginning to go, that's a question like, what's he seeing that I'm not? And uh, it embarked on this whole conversation about injuries, about sports, uh, muscles and strains and what have you. And I, I concluded, I said, Owen, these days I'm certainly a lot creakier than I used to be, but I don't really have many injuries, thankfully. But then I embarked on this conversation that went along the lines that when I was a child, my goodness, I was completely accident prone, constantly in and out of the A&E departments at Hemel Hempstead or Watford General Hospitals uh, with either some sort of thing that happened playing football or riding my bike or jumping out of a tree or I, I could go on, the list goes on and I was able to say I broke this and I had uh, stitches for that and what have you and I just remember those occasions with my folks taking me to hospital just as a child going this is so boring having to wait like this and my mum in her wisdom or not used to say to me oh this is going to teach you patience and it's like that's not really what you want to hear when you're 10, 11, 14 years of age, whatever it might have been. The only good thing about going to A&E was going to McDonald's afterwards. I'll give her credit for that. That was, uh, that was worth the experience. But even now as a parent, having taken our own children to, to hospital on a number of occasions with various things, one thing's for sure, I can conclude that I am not good at waiting. I find it a real difficulty, sitting, trying to be patient, waiting for your turn, waiting for your name to be called, even uh, going to the doctors here in Carrickfergus for a routine appointment. I hate waiting. And I, I guess the question is, do any of us really like it? Waiting on a bus, waiting for the plane to take off, waiting for the pizza to be delivered, or the Amazon driver, or I must confess for me, <laughs> I even have an impatience waiting for the microwave to ping after my three minutes heating of my dinner. What's the point in all of this? Ponder right now, right here and right now, wherever we are, wherever we're sitting. Our time here on earth is God's waiting room. Our time here are filled with moments where we're waiting upon God to come through for us. Waiting for results to that test, waiting to meet the right person, waiting for a response to that job application, waiting on God to give, to help, to heal, to answer our prayers, waiting for God to come through. We pick up our current teaching series all about the life of Joseph. The theme that we've entitled is that we're gonna get through this. As we journey, as we continue to journey this time that we have through this pandemic. And this morning's message is simply this, that God is working in our waiting. Or as Max Licardo uh, writes uh, the chapter in his book, is wait while God works. There's something that happens that God is doing in us as we wait upon him. We've reached the part of the story with Joseph where he's been sent to prison for something that he didn't do. Uh, it was unfair, it was unjust, and we concluded that bad things do happen to good people. And it does happen within our lives, but it's not necessarily our fault. 
uh, but and it's certainly not God's voice. Certainly, it's not something that God brings or instruments, but that often God uses those difficult moments, those painful experiences, and often God does a wonderful work in us through pain and through suffering. And we want to continue on a similar theme as we look at that uh, together this morning, that he's working in our waiting. Joseph knew what waiting uh, looked like and felt like. It's easy uh, simply to uh, skip through those chapters. We, we started in chapter 37 of Genesis and it goes right the way through to uh, chapter 50, which is the end of the story. And we can read that in, in one sitting if, we, if you're a good reader. Um, but we don't begin to actually grasp the timeline that, that those chapters actually serve. The number of years that actually uh, those chapters document. And we could skip through it easily. Joseph spent time in a system in the pit that we looked at in week one. Down, trapped, looking up, hearing the voice of his, voices of his brothers who put him in there. Joseph had spent time, possibly a journey of up to 750 miles from where he was to his next destination as he was being taken there as a slave, sold as a slave and taken to a far away distance. Imagine the time being tied to a, a donkey or a camel or something, walking for days on end. The time that he would have been presented on the auction block, waiting for someone to purchase him. The time, possibly up to 10 years, that he spent in service of his master Potiphar. And now here he is serving time in prison for something that he didn't do. Last week we noted at the end of chapter 39, Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him, uh, he granted him favour and the warden took note uh, and he entrusted Joseph to all of the other inmates and in his care. And that leads us to this week, where Genesis chapter 40 and verse 1 simply reads this. Some time later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt uh, offended their master, the king of Egypt. The cupbearer and the baker, they've They've annoyed Pharaoh. We don't know why. Maybe it was a bad loaf and dodgy wine. We don't know the story, but they end up in prison. And that's where they meet Joseph, who's already there and been there for some time. We don't know how much time, but he's already there. And during that time, both of them have these dreams and they're prophetic dreams. Uh, they need interpretation. And Joseph is pretty good at both dreaming and interpreting. And so they tell Joseph their dreams and Joseph gives them the interpretation. And uh, both of them uh, incur three day, three day period. And uh, for the baker, the interpretation isn't great. He ba Joseph tells him that in three days time, uh, that's gonna be the end of you. And uh, for the cupbearer, it's much better news. In three days time, Pharaoh will restore him to his position as cupbearer, as the butler uh, in his care and in his service to Pharaoh. Joseph said to the cupbearer, who he's pinning his hopes on, who he's pinning that he's got the right interpretation, he's thinking, this could be my way out. This could be my ticket out of here. Joseph says to the cupbearer in verse 14 of chapter 40, but when all goes well with you, remember me 
and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. True enough, three days later, Pharaoh has a birthday. He throws this party and during that time, the baker gets it. He is no longer, but the cupbearer keeps his job and he's there. Joseph, left in prison, must be counting the days, must be going, that's three days up. Tomorrow, day four, I'm getting out of here. He's going to remember me. He's going to tell Pharaoh how unjust it is. It wasn't my fault. I shouldn't be here. He's going to release me. He's going to grant me parole or whatever it might be. But that didn't happen. Day five comes. A week goes by. A month goes by. And still nothing happens. We skip forward to the end of chapter 40. And we read, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. Now here's the trouble. When we read the Bible like this, we can simply read through that chapter, chapter 40, and go, oh, da 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 and not stop and ponder the timeline. You see, because the difference between the end of chapter 40 and the beginning of chapter 41 in our Bibles is about that much. But the actual timeline between the end of 40 and the beginning of 41 is a long time. 41 verse 1 says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. And that marks the beginning of the end of Joseph's time in prison. And it's stuff that we'll look at, the rest of the story we'll look at in the next week or two. Joseph had already been in prison for some time before the cupbearer and the baker arrive in. After their departure, he's in there for a further two years. Ponder it, consider it, feel it. What does that feel like? What does that look like? We're six weeks away from one year uh, since we went into lockdown. And uh, multiply that by two and we have the same timeline. But uh, Joseph, he never had Netflix and uh, he never had his daily walk. And uh, he certainly didn't have Zoom or Tesco deliveries. But he did have plenty of time. Time looking at the same four walls. Time possibly to have grown bitter, cynical, angry. And you could see how, why he would. But he doesn't. We don't know exactly how he really did uh, practice his time. Uh, how, uh, what he did because it doesn't really document that. But we could draw some assumptions based on what we know beforehand. And that's that he probably remained faithful. He probably still tended to the other inmates which were already entrusted to him by the warden there. He would have uh, clung on to his destiny which we spoke about two or three weeks ago those dreams that God had given to him as a teenager. He would have held on to those for his future. And no doubt, he still would have experienced the favour of God and that God still would have been very much present to him in that moment, in that time, while he waited. As we spend time now in God's waiting room, here and now, we remind ourselves that he said, be still and know that I am God. Just wait, hold on. When the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites 
uh, on their departure in the Exodus story, God says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And there's something in that. In that moment, Moses is leading the people. The Red Sea is before them. They have the Egyptians pursuing them. And God's saying, just wait. Be still. I will fight for you. And in our stillness and in our waiting, God is at work. He's fighting. He's doing things in us. Perhaps we don't perceive it. Perhaps we don't see it. And maybe only time will tell later as we look back and we reflect on the practices that we have been doing during this time. As we press into relationship with God in the unseen, in the moments of desperation and panic and anxiety, where we... Uh, where we read the scriptures, where we prayed those prayers, as we spent time in his presence, as we gave up a meal or a day to fast, as we listened to that podcast, as we received that text message from someone that was thinking about us and praying for us, as we did the same to others. It's all of those practices, everything that we've been talking about for weeks now. God is at work and he's doing a deep thing in us and it's wonderful. Waiting, biblically speaking, can in some ways, uh, as it was for Joseph, it, it incurs a, a degree of suffering. It wasn't pleasant for Joseph. It isn't particularly pleasant for us right now. But let's not assume the worst. Let's not worry and fret. Let's not make demands on what we think should be or we are entitled to. Let's not seek to control every aspect and facet of our lives both now and the future but let us wait with an ever increasing dependence on the presence of our father who loves and knows what's good for us psalm 27 says wait for the lord be strong and take heart and wait for the lord psalm 37 says be still before the lord and wait patiently for him Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. And then of course, Isaiah in chapter 40 writes, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It's a simple message. Wait, hold on. He's working in us through our waiting. Be still, allow him to do the things that we're longing for, that we're praying for. Draw near to him receive from him time will tell the measure of what god's up to in our lives now in our future we'll get through this i want to finish uh, simply by uh, us watching uh, a song it's called sovereign over us it's a, a worship song that we have sung many times in church before and as you watch it as you listen to it as you sing along to it uh, you'll notice uh, the lyrics must be written 
partly inspired by this Joseph story. Listen to it, comprehend it, understand it, let it sink deep into our hearts and make it our prayer, make it our song, make it our worship. Love and God bless. Stay in touch and stay connected with one another. See you soon.